Good morning. I see some new faces here that weren't here a month ago. I was here the Sunday before you voted on Matt, and I'm here the Sunday before he begins, whatever that means. I have to tell you that uh, I'm not ready to let Christmas go. And my uh, title this morning is uh, Christmas is Over. I mentioned it to just one person, right, Rick? And Rick said, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm not ready to let it go. I, 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 I'm just not. And I want to share some things with you uh, out of the Gospel of Luke. And so you can turn there to Luke 15. And let me make a few comments about Christmas and where I'm headed in this message today. Let me say thank you for this opportunity to, to come today and to share with you as well. Thomas Tussler wrote, Christmas comes but once a year. And with it comes the glitter and gaiety of the Christmas spirit. But what of the day after Christmas? When all the presents are gone from underneath the tree, the festivities have ended and the family have dispersed for another year. Now, some of you can say amen to that. But he's saying, what happens after Christmas? In parts of the world, there's already been another holiday. In Canada, in England, in Australia, and other parts of the world, the day after Christmas is called Boxing Day. I always thought that Boxing Day was the day that you uh, boxed up everything. <laughs> you took down the tree, you took care of the decorations, and you got the house back to normal. Or it was a day that you just wrapped up those gifts that you really didn't want and you took them back to the stores. That's not Boxing Day. Boxing Day has its foundation in St. Stephen's Day, the 26th. And it's a day that you give a gift to someone who is in a lower class or someone who's needy in your community. Christmas is all about sharing gifts with people in our family or people in our own class, our own community. But Boxing Day is when you make a gift or you take a gift to someone who is in greater need than you are. That's Boxing Day. I'm not ready to let Christmas go by. This year there are tons of football games. We just had one here in Charlotte. And as somebody from West Virginia, I've got to say, it was a great game. <laughs> I'll let it go with that. No games on Christmas Day this year. But several years ago, the University of Arkansas, the coach, Lou Holtz, accepted a bold bid on Christmas Day. And he was asked, why would he do that? Why would he put his team through the rigors of a bowl game on Christmas Day? <laughs> he uh, was brutally honest when he replied. He says, frankly, I'd rather be doing this because once you've gone to church, you've had dinner, you opened your gifts, Christmas 
is the most boring day of the year. That's Lou Holtz. Is Lou great? Someone said to me here, I wish we had a bigger crowd. Well, if you've been eating like I have been eating, we have a big crowd here today. But is Christmas boring? What happens after Christmas? No, I'm not talking about the Christmas sales. But what happens in the church? What happens in our lives? Once Christmas is over. Now there's certainly a letdown even in the church. We don't have a choir singing the great songs of Christmas. It seems like that we have taken, at least in our family, a month to get ready for Christmas Day. Lights on the house, all the decorations. The grandkids are only excited about Christmas morning. That's it. We've got through this day of a great meal, great gifts. This year I was going to read the scripture, and right before I was going to read the scripture, we let Wesley recite some verses that he had memorized. He recited the very same eight verses that I was going to read. So there was nothing to read except for Grandpa to pray. But what happens when the decorations are down and the sales are over? I want to say to you as a church that something important goes on. And it's found in the Christmas story. We often call it the Christmas story, but it's really the after Christmas story. For you have to understand, church, that there are many people who don't know about Christmas and Easter. They have never read the scriptures. For a few years, I taught high school mathematics. We were getting ready for spring break. And all of a sudden, there was a conversation that occurred in the very back of the class. It started with a senior who raised the question, what's Easter all about? Now, you would think that every senior in high school would know something about Easter. The response was more shocking. A junior piped up and said, well, that was when Jesus was born. Somebody else says, oh, no, that's not Easter. That's Christmas. And it went on for about five minutes. They were trying to find out what Easter was all about. Well, before the bell rang, I wanted to set the record straight. (laughs) So I went back and told them about Easter. We make assumptions that people know about Christmas. And they don't. I'd like for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read a passage of scripture that has to do with after Christmas. It begins with verse 15. Jesus is already born. Christmas is over. Would you stand with me? Luke 15, Luke chapter 2, verse 15. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they have been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Let's end the reading there and let's pray. Father, we often think of Christmas as being just a day, a special day. But Christmas is more than just a day, O oh Lord. It is a season of mercy and grace. Our hearts still rejoice, even though Christmas is past that you have given to us a gift that is beyond measure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, O God. Now, O Lord, speak to our hearts through your Spirit, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I debated whether to call this sermon, Christmas is Over, or to say that, or to make the title, 362 More Shopping Days. And I decided it was better to say that Christmas was over than to look forward, but I want us to look forward in this message. The question really has to do with what's going to happen next week. How do we respond to Christmas? Well, how do we go from this point forward and I think there's three things in this passage, and the first one happens to be when the shepherds went forth and they proclaimed. Now, proclaim is not in the text, but it's exactly what they do. They share, or they spread the word. The first way that we talk about Christmas to the world is that we simply proclaim it. Christ is born. Lucci, when he, uh, when he died, he didn't have very much in his house. Many people knew he had a collection, but he was a very simple man. And when they entered the house and carried out the body, they found out that he had quite a collection of violins. They were stuffed in every corner, including the attic. 246 violins. His most precious one was buried in the bottom of an old rickety rack bureau, a Stradivarius. And what I want to say about these 246 violins is that he kept them to himself. He didn't teach people to play the violin. 
He had gotten some of them, including the Stradivarius, from a friend who had collected it, and that violin had not been played in public for 147 years. He loved the violin, but he didn't share the violin. And when Christmas is over, I think we have a lot of sharing to do about Christ. It's one thing to cherish the Redeemer. It's another thing to share the Redeemer. And just like the shepherds, when they got up and went in to see the Christ child, I don't know how many people were awake in Bethlehem that night, but I think the shepherds woke up some people. <laughs> and on their way back to their flock, they shared through every street that Jesus was alive. We need to share this good news. Isaiah talks about a people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting, or Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When the Revolutionary War ended, Cornwall signed Declaration of Surrender. There were many skirmishes that continued on. The last of which happened at Big Lick in Kentucky. Ten months after the war had ended. The British and the Indian laid in wait. They trapped men from Kentucky, including Daniel Boone. In fact, they shot Daniel Boone's son. And as Daniel realized that his son was going to die, he and others got on their horses and rode and saved their own skin. The news just didn't travel that quick back then across the mountains. Ten months, the victory had been won, but nobody informed all of the troops. <laughs> and you know, see, when Jesus came and when he lived and when he died and when he arose again, Jesus had victory over sin and death and hell. The victory is ours. And we need to share that. Three years ago, Linda and I were going to go to Maine. Her mother had had surgery and we wanted to go and spend Christmas and some time. And we were going to leave our family behind. And I remember that Glennon had brought a message about how someone in his family had been informed that they were to greet all of their customers by saying, Happy Holidays. They were instructed in the letter not to say, Merry Christmas. Maybe you have been instructed by your employee not to say, Merry Christmas. And as we went with our ID and our ticket, we got in line, there were about 150 people. And every time we took a step a little closer, the lady from U.S. Airways 
was saying, Happy Holidays. Another step, Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. And it was just starting to wear on me. I really got upset. And so when she checked my ticket and my ID, she said to me, Happy Holidays. Well, sometimes I can get a little daring. And so I said, ma'am, I said, I want to wish you Merry Christmas. I was not expecting her reaction. She took two quick steps next to me. She put her arms around me. She gave me a bear hug. She almost picked me up off the floor. And she whispered, I am so glad. You said that. And just as quickly as she picked me up, she sort of threw me back. <laughs> she said, Mr. Russell, and she had a booming voice. Everyone could hear on that side of the airport. But she raised it a little bit. She said, Mr. Russell, Merry Christmas. I was stunned. <laughs> and so as I went through the line to... I was waiting for someone else to say Merry Christmas to her. And all I could hear was Happy Holidays, Happy Holidays, Happy Holidays. The shepherds proclaimed the birth of our Lord. And we need to proclaim it as well. I can't tell you how many clerks this year who's greeted me with Happy Holidays and I've said Merry Christmas to them. And they have looked around and they have said to me, Merry Christmas. Jesus, after Christmas, must be proclaimed by the church. The second thing I want to say in this after Christmas message, Christmas is over, is that Jesus needs to be pondered. It says that Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. I am sure that many of you could come up here and could tell me and could tell us the Christmas story. You've heard it over and over in song and word and plays. You know the Christmas story. The first way that uh, to respond to this Christmas message is to make the message fresh. There is just a few verses given to the Christmas story. And I am amazed as I grow old <laughs> that every year there's something new in the Christmas story. And this year, in the begets, which we don't often read, one of their names happened to talk about strength. And the name before that begat Happened to do with, had to do with chastisement. That just blessed me. It reminded me that whom the Lord chastises, the Lord strengthens. That's in his history. <laughs> That's in his genealogy. It's in his genes. That's my God. I read a story about a chauffeur who, uh, had taken a college chemistry professor to several engagements. 
And as we were driving along, the chauffeur said, uh, you know, Prof, I can give that speech that you've been given. He says, you think so? He said, I know so. So I'll bet you $50 I can, I can give the speech. The professor said, you're on. So they stopped the car and they changed their attire. They were the same size. Chauffeur got in the back. Professor drove. Opened the door for the chauffeur. The chauffeur went out, got up on the stage, and gave the speech. Did a fine job. No one knew the difference. The MC came up and he says, you know, we have just a couple minutes left. And maybe it's a good time for questions and answers. Anyone have a question for the professor? Sure enough, someone stood up, raised a question for the chauffeur pretending to be the professor. The professor got nervous, or the chauffeur got nervous and began to, to twinge a little bit. Then all of a sudden, he thought of an exit strategy. He said, sir, that's the dumbest question I've ever been asked. He said, that's so dumb that my chauffeur could answer your question. Chauffeur, answer his question. <laughs> the chauffeur, the real professor, stood and took the rest of the time to answer the question so there would be no more questions. <laughs> you can answer the questions. You may not be the preacher, but you can tell the Christmas story. There's a, another story about a wealthy family in Europe that was going to dedicate their child. They sent out the invitations, the people came and they, give, they gave their furs and their coats and they put them on an upstairs bedroom and they got through the evening, had a wonderful meal and it came time to dedicate the baby and someone said, well, where's the baby? No one seemed to know. The governess went to look for the baby because she had laid the baby on the bed and there was no baby so she came back to report that the baby was gone and there was panic and everybody began to look for the baby. The very reason for the night was the baby. It wasn't about the drinking, it wasn't about the meals, it wasn't about the dancing. It was all about the baby. But the baby was nowhere to be seen. And underneath the coats and the jackets and the furs, they found the baby. And in all the celebration, they had forgotten about the child. Who was nearly smothered to death. I think every Advent season has to begin with the question, what about the child? Where's the child? Because the child, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, is the very reason for Christmas. It's the reason that we exchange gifts, because the greatest gift has been given. i got to tell you this story. It was in the early 70s. Linda and I were going to, to Maine. And we had driven from North Carolina and we were well into Pennsylvania. And we were tired. And every place we looked, there was a no 
vacant side. No vacancy. No vacancy. And finally I said, we've got to get off of the beaten highway in order to find a place. And so we drove into a town and there was a large inn. It was an older inn and there was no sign out front that said no vacancy, so there was hope. I figured it was going to be expensive, but you know there comes a point where you just want to go to sleep. And so I went in and closed the door, and there was no one at the desk, and about a minute later a man came. I said, I'd like to have a room tonight. And he said, sir, I'm sorry, we're full. I was uh, rejected again. And so I zipped up my coat, I walked out on the porch, and I looked at the sign. It said, The Bethlehem Inn. I was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <coughs> Hadn't realized it to that point. But I had been to the Bethlehem Inn and was told there was no room for me. <laughs> Could sort of sense what Jesus felt. But they didn't offer the garage out back. Nothing. He was getting the car and trying to go find another place. I want to encourage you after this Christmas to ponder the things of God about God's gift to us. And then the last thing in this passage that we need to look at is this aspect of praising God. It says that they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. And there's something about this praising that you need to look at in the scriptures. That Christmas is not only all about God, which it is, but it's also about somebody else. It's about you. Listen to the scriptures in Luke 2, verse 10. I bring you good news. <laughs> For in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This will be a sign to you. Three times it says it. <laughs> It's about God. It's also about you. For you see, this child is our Savior. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. He is your prophet. He is your king. He's yours. And while we talk about God loving the world, please place yourself in that. And realize that God loves you. <laughs> Interesting thing when we pass out gifts around the Christmas tree. It's always been one of the youngest ones to pass them out. Now it's Wesley and Logan. It's amazing when they open, when they pull the gift out from underneath the tree and they look at it. Sometimes they don't understand cursive. Most of the time they do. Sometimes they'll say, who is this for? And sometimes they'll say, Grampy, this is for you. And I, I detect a little bit of disappointment in their voice. 
And they hand it to me. And I say, thank you. Doesn't seem to cheer them up. Our tradition is that we pass out one gift at a time. We watch somebody unwrap it and we see what we get. Then we go on the next gift. They go back to the tree. They pull it up. They say, Wesley and Logan, this is for us. They lay it on the coffee table. And they just shred the paper. They're excited because the gift is for them. It's ours. It's for me. It's my gift. That's what Christmas is all about. And how do you respond to this gift? Did you get some gift cards this year at Christmas time? I got a couple. My sister-in-law says, I just don't know what to buy for you, so here's a gift card. <laughs> you seem to buy a gift card for somebody that you just don't know what to get. They seem like they got everything, everything you think of they've got, so you just, you're not going to go all around town, you just, you just grab a gift card. Well, how do you give God a gift? <laughs> he has everything. Well, don't buy God a gift card. I'm telling you, don't put a gift card in the offering plate next Sunday. The church will take a gift card, though. The passage of Scripture that I think of is that when the Lord says the essence of the law is that to love the Lord our God with all of our mind and all of our heart all of our strength. There's three things that God doesn't have in all the world. And you have them. And you can give them to Him. One is that you can give to Him your thoughtfulness. You can praise Him. You can glorify Him with your mind if you so choose. You can give him your passion out of your heart and your soul if you choose. You can give him your service if you choose. But for many folk, they withhold all three. I think the shepherds gave it all that night. I think that they proclaimed the birth of Christ after Christmas. I think that when they got back to their fields and sat down, they pondered about what was going on. Mary did, we know, but I think the shepherds did as well. And we know that they praised God. <laughs> These shepherds had an experience that changed their lives. And when we give to God that which he has really given to us, our mind, our heart, our strength, it's then that we really begin to worship the Lord. We sense that we're his child. And so today I want to say Christmas isn't over. It continues on all of your life. The question is, what is our response? What's the world's response? 
to Christmas. And it's up to you and to I to tell the Christmas story. And to share what God has done for us in giving us the gift of his son. Grace, salvation, hope of eternal life, joy, peace unspeakable. What a gift. Well, if I can use the phrase, it's a, a gift that has no end in its giving. Let us pray. Father, we are so time conscious and Christmas is just a day. But we can't just move on without realizing what Christmas is all about and how you have impacted our life and what you're doing in our life. Lord, we want to be like the shepherds who praise your name. We want to be like Mary who ponders these things in our hearts. And Lord, we want to uh, praise you for all that you're doing. Help us to proclaim, to tell all that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's coming back. Strengthen us, we pray, in Jesus' name, and amen. In your hymnal, before we sing the closing hymn, I want to read just part of a, of a Christmas hymn. It's not familiar, but listen to it. Says, There's a star in the east on Christmas morn. Rise up, shepherds, and follow. If you will lead to the place where the Christ was born, rise up, shepherds, and follow. Follow, follow, rise up, shepherds, and follow. Follow the star of Bethlehem. Rise up, shepherds, and follow. <laughs>